Chapter Six of Woodcraft by Nesmuk. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Phil Schempf. Camp cookery: How it is usually done, with a few simple hints on plain cooking. Cooking fire and outdoor range. The way in which an average party of summer outers will contrive to manage or mismanage the camp and campfire so as to get the greatest amount of smoke and discontent at the least outlay of time and force is something past all understanding and somewhat aggravating to an old woodsman who knows some better. But it is just as good fun as the cynical O.W. can ask to see a party of three or four enthusiastic youngsters organize the camp on the first day in and proceed to cook the first meal of course every man is boss and every one is bound to build the fire which every one proceeds to do there are no backlogs no four sticks no arrangement of level solid bases on which to place frying pans coffee pots etc but there is a sufficiency of knots dry sticks barks and chunks with some kindling at the bottom and a very heavy volume of smoke working its way through the awkward looking pile presently thin tongues of blue flame began to shoot up through the interstices and four brand-new coffee-pots are wiggled into level positions at as many different points on the bonfire. Four hungry youngsters commence slicing ham and pork. Four frying-pans are brought out from as many hinged and lidded soap-boxes, when one man yells out hurriedly, Look out, Joe, there's your coffee-pot handle coming off. And he drops his frying-pan to save his coffee-pot, which he does, minus the spout and handle then it is seen that the flames have increased rapidly and all the pots are in danger a short sharp skirmish rescues them at the expense of some burned fingers and culinary operations are the order of the hour coffee and tea are brewed with the loss of a handle or two and the frying pan succeed in scorching the pork and ham to an unwholesome black mess the potato kettle does better it is not easy to spoil potatoes by cooking them in plenty of boiling water and as there is plenty of bread with fresh butter not to mention canned goods the hungry party feed sufficiently but not satisfactorily everything seems pervaded with smoke the meat is scorched bitter and the tea is of the sort described by charles dudley warner in his humorous description of camping out the sort of tea that takes hold lifts the hair and disposes the drinker to hilariousness there is no deception about it it tastes of tannin and spruce and creosote of the cooking he says everything has been cooked in a tin pail and a skillet potatoes tea pork mutton slapjacks you wonder how everything would have been prepared in so few utensils when you eat the wonder ceases everything might have been cooked in one pail it is a noble meal the slapjacks are a solid job of work made to last and not go to pieces in a person's stomach like a trivial bun I have before me a copy of Forest and Stream, in which the canoe editor, under the heading of The Galley Fire, has some remarks well worth quoting. He says, The question of camp cookery is one of the greatest importance to all readers of Forest and Stream, but most of all to the canoeists. From ignorance of what to carry, the canoeist falls back on canned goods, never healthy as a steady diet, Brunswick soup and eggs. The misery of that first campfire, who has forgotten it? tired hungry perhaps cold and wet the smoke everywhere the coffee pot melted down the can of soup upset in the fire the fiendish conduct of frying pan and kettle the final surrender of the exhausted victim sliding off to sleep with a piece of hardtack in one hand and a slice of canned beef in the other only to dream of mother's hot biscuits juicy steaks etc etc 
it is very well put and so true to the life and again frying baking making coffee stews plain biscuits the neat and speedy preparation of a healthy square meal can be easily learned ay and should be learned by every man who goes to the woods with or without a canoe but i was describing a first day's camping out the party being four young men and one old woodsman the latter going along in double character of invited guest and amateur guide when the boys are through with their late dinner they hustle the greasy frying pans and demoralized tinware into a corner of the shanty and get out their rods for an evening's fishing they do it hurriedly almost feverishly as youngsters are apt to do at the start the o w has taken no part in the dinner and has said nothing save in response to direct questions nor has he done anything to keep up his reputation as a woodsman except to see that the shelter roof is properly put up and fastened having seen to this he reverts to his favorite pastime sitting on a log and smoking navy plug long experience has taught him that it is best to let the boys effervesce a little they will slop over a trifle at first but twenty-four hours will settle them when they are fairly out of hearing he takes the old knapsack from the clipped limb where it has been hung cuts a slice of ham butters a slice of bread spreads the live coals and embers makes a pot of strong green tea broils the ham on a three-pronged birch fork and has a clean well-cooked plain dinner then he takes the sharp three-pound camp axe and fells a dozen small birch and ash trees cutting them into proper lengths and leaving them for the boys to tote into camp next a bushy heavy-topped hemlock is felled and the o w proceeds leisurely to pick up a heap of fine hemlock brows a few handfuls suffice to stuff the muslin pillow bag and the rest is carefully spread on the port side of the shanty for a bed the pillow is placed at the head and the old mackinac blanket bag is spread neatly over all as a token of ownership and possession if the youngsters want beds of fine elastic brows let them make their own beds no campfire should be without poker and tongs the poker is a beech stick four feet long by two inches thick flattened at one end with a notch cut in it for lifting kettles etc to make the tongs take a tough beech or hickory stick one inch by two feet in length shave it down nearly one half for a foot in the center thrust this part into hot embers until it bends freely bring the ends together and whittle them smoothly to fit on the inside cross-checking them also to give them a grip finish off by chamfering the ends neatly from the outside they will be found exceedingly handy in rescuing a bit of tinware a slice of steak or ham or any small article that happens to get dropped in a hot fire and don't neglect the camp broom it is made by laying brushy hemlock twigs around a light handle winding them firmly with strong twine or moose wood bark and chopping off the ends of the twigs evenly it can be made in ten minutes use it to brush any leaves sticks and any litter from about the camp or fire neatness is quite as pleasant and wholesome around the forest camp as in the home kitchen these little details may seem trivial to the reader but remember if there is a spot on earth where trifles make up the sum of human enjoyment it is to be found in a woodland camp all of which the o w fully appreciates as he finishes the above little jobs after which he proceeds to spread the fire to a broad level bed of glowing embers nearly covering the same with small pieces of hemlock bark that the boys may have a decent cooking fire on their return about sundown they come straggling in not jubilant and hilarious footsore rather and a little cross the effervescence is subsiding and the noise is pretty well knocked out of them 
they have caught and dressed some three score of small brook trout which they deposit beside the shanty and proceed at once to move on the fire with evident intent of raising a conflagration but are checked by the o w who calls their attention to the fact that for culinary purposes the fire is about as near the right thing as they are likely to get it better defer the bonfire until after supper listening to the voice of enlightened woodcraft they manage to fry trout and make tea without scorch or creosote and the supper is a decided improvement on the dinner but the dishes are piled away as before without washing then follows an hour of busy work bringing wood to camp and packing browse the wood is sufficient but the browse is picked or cut all too coarse and there is only enough of it to make the camp look green and pleasant not enough to rest weary shoulders and backs but they are sound on the bonfire they pile on the wood in the usual way criss-crossed and haphazard it makes a grand fire and lights up the forest for fifty yards around and the tired youngsters turn in having the advantage of driving a team to the campground they are well supplied with blankets and robes they ought to sleep soundly but they don't the usual drawbacks of the first night in camp are soon manifested in uneasy twistings and turnings grumbling at stubs knots and sticks that utterly ignore conformity with the angles of the human frame but at last tired nature asserts her supremacy and they sleep sleep soundly for a couple of hours when the bonfire having reached the point of disintegration suddenly collapses with a sputtering and crackling that brings them to their heads antipodes and four days sleepy faces look out with a bewildered air to see what has caused the rumpus all take a hand in putting the brands together and rearranging the fire which burns better than at first some sleepy talk one or two feeble attempts at a smoke and they turn in again but there is not an hour during the remainder of the night in which someone is not pottering around the fire the o w who has abided by his blanket bag all night quietly taking in the fun rouses out the party at four a m for two of them are to fish asaph run with bait and the other two are to try the riffles of marsh creek with the fly as the wood is all burned to cinders and glowing coals there is no chance for a smoky fire and substituting coffee for tea the breakfast is a repetition of the supper by sunrise the boys are off and the o w has the camp to himself he takes it leisurely gets up a neat breakfast of trout bread butter and coffee cleans and puts away his dishes has a smoke and picks up the camp axe selecting a bushy hemlock fifteen inches across he lets it down in as many minutes trims it to the very tip piles the limbs in a heap and cuts three lengths of six feet each from the butt this ensures brows and backlogs for some time ahead two strong stakes are cut and sharpened four small logs two of eight and two of nine feet in length are prepared plenty of nightwood is made ready a supply of bright dry hemlock bark is carried to camp and the o w rests from his labors resuming his favorite pastime of sitting on a log and smoking navy plug finally it occurs to him that he is there partly as guide and mentor to the younger men and that they need a lesson on cleanliness he brings out the frying pans and finds a filthy-looking mess of grease in each one wherein ants flies and other insects have contrived to get mixed does he heat some water and scour the pans not if he knows himself if he did it once he might keep on doing it he is cautious about establishing precedents and he has a taste for entomology he places the pans in the sun where the grease will soften and go skirmishing for ants and doodlebugs they are not far to seek and he soon has a score of large black ants with a few bugs and spiders pretty equally distributed among the frying pans to give the thing a plausible look 
a few flies are added and the two largest pans are finished off one with a large earwig and the other with a thousand-legged worm the pans are replaced in the shanty the embers are leveled and nearly covered with bits of dry hemlock bark and the o w resumes his pipe and log with such a face of christian satisfaction as good men wear who have done a virtuous action before noon the boys are all in and as the catch is twice as numerous and twice as large as on the previous evening and as the weather is all that could be asked of the longest days in june they are in excellent spirits the boxes are brought out pork is sliced a can of indian meal comes to the front and they go for the frying pans holy moses look here just see the ants and bugs second man well i should say i can see your ants and bugs and go you an earwig better third man inverting his pan spitefully over the fire damn em i'll roast the beggars bush d who is something of a cook and woodsman boys i'll take the pot i got a thousand-legged worm at the head of a pissmire flush and it serves us right for a lot of slovens dishes should be cleaned as often as they are used now let's scour our pans and commence right hot water ashes and soap soon restore the pans to pristine brightness three frying pans are filled with trout well rolled in meal a fourth is used for cooking a can of tomatoes the coffee is strong and everything comes out without being smoked or scorched the trout are brown to a turn and even the o w admits that the dinner is a success when it is over and the dishes are cleaned and put away and the camp slicked up there comes the usual two hours of lounging smoking and storytelling so dear to the hearts of those who love to go a-fishing and camping at length there is a lull in the conversation and bush d turns to the old woodsman with i thought uncle mart you were going to show us fellows such a lot of kinks about camping out campfires and cooking and all that sort of thing isn't it about time to begin strikes me you have spent most of the last twenty-four hours holding down that log except cutting some night wood and tending the fire adds number two the old woodsman who had been rather silent up to this time knocks the ashes leisurely from his pipe and gets on his feet for a few remarks he says boys a bumblebee is biggest when it's first born you've learned more than you think in the last twenty-four hours well as how explain yourself says bush d o w in the first place you have learned better than to stick your cooking kit into a tumbled-down heap of knots mulch and wet bark only to upset and melt down the pots and scorch or smoke everything in the pans until a starving hound wouldn't eat the mess and you have found that it doesn't take a log heap to boil a pot of coffee or fry a pan of trout also that a level bed of live coals makes an excellent cooking fire though i will show you a better yesterday you cooked the worst meal i ever saw in the woods today you get up a really good plain dinner you have learned that much in one day oh you improve some and i think you have taken a lesson in cleanliness today yes but we learned that of the ant and bug says number two o w just so and did you think all the ants and doodlebugs blundered into that grease in one morning i put em in myself to give you a kink bush d disgusted you blasted dirty old sinner second man oh you miserable old swamp savage i shan't get over that earwig in a month third man plaintively this life in the woods isn't what it's cracked up to be i don't relish bugs and spiders i wish i were home i'm all bitten up with punkies and fourth man savagely dashed old woods loafer let's tie his hands and fire him in the creek o w placidly 
exactly boys your remarks are terse and to the point only as i am going to show you a trick or two on woodcraft this afternoon you can afford to wait a little now quit smoking and get out your hatchets we'll go to work three hatchets are brought to light one of them a two-pound clumsy hand axe the others of an old-time mount vernon g w pattern and now says good-natured bush you give directions and we'll do the work under directions the coarse brows of the previous night is placed outside the shanty three active youngsters on hands and knees feel out and cut off every offending stub and rut inside the shanty until it is smooth as a floor the four small logs are brought to camp the two longest are laid at the sides and staked in place the others are placed one at the head and the other at the foot also staked and the camp has acquired definite outlines and a measurable size of eight by nine feet three hemlock logs and two sharpened stakes are toted to camp the stakes driven firmly and the logs laid against them one above the other fire dogs four stick etc complete the arrangement and the campfire is in shape for the coming night precisely as shown in the engraving and now says the old w if three of you will go down to the flat and pick the brows clean from the two hemlock tops bush and i will fix a cooking range uh what ask one going to start a boarding house says another notion of going into the hardware business suggests the third never mind sonny just tend to that browse and when you see a smoke rising on the flat by the spring come over and see the range and the boys taking a couple of blankets in which to carry the browse saunter away to the flat below a very leisurely aesthetic fragrant occupation is this picking browse it should never be cut but pulled stripped or broken I have seen a senator, ex-governor, and a wealthy banker enjoying themselves hugely at it, varying the occupation by hacking small timbers with their G.W. hatchets, like so many boys let loose from school. It may have looked a trifle undignified, but I dare say they found their account in it. Newport or Long Branch would have been more expensive and much less healthful. For an hour and a half, tongues and fingers are busy around the hemlock tops then a thin long volume of blue smoke rises near the spring and the boys walk over to inspect the range they find it made as follows two logs six feet long and eight inches thick are laid parallel but seven inches apart at one end and only four at the other they are bedded firmly and flattened a little on the inside on the upper sides the logs are carefully hewed and leveled until pots pans and kettles will sit firmly and evenly on them a strong forked stake is driven at each end of the space and a cross pole two or three inches thick laid on for hanging kettles this completes the range simple but effective see illustration the broad end of the space is for frying pans and the potato kettle the narrow end for coffee pots and utensils of lesser diameter from six to eight dishes can be cooked at the same time soups stews and beans are to be cooked in closely covered kettles hung from the cross pole the bottoms of the kettles reaching within some two inches of the logs with a moderate fire they may be left to simmer for hours without care or attention the fire is of the first importance start it with fine kindling and clean dry hemlock bark when you have a bright even fire from end to end of the space keep it up with small faggots of the sweetest and most wholesome woods in the forest these are in order named black birch hickory sugar maple yellow birch and red beech the stick should be short and not over two inches across split wood is better than round the outdoor range can be made by one man in a little more than an hour and the camper out 
who once tries it will never wish to see a portable camp stove again when the sun leaves the valley in the shade of asaph mountain the boys have a fragrant bed of elastic brows a foot deep in the shanty with pillows improvised from stuffed bootlegs cotton handkerchiefs etc they cook their suppers on the range and vote it perfect no melting or heating handles too hot for use no smoking of dishes or faces just at dark which means nine p m in the last week of june the fire is carefully made and chinked an hour later it is throwing its grateful warmth and light directly into camp and nowhere else the camp turns in not to wiggle and quarrel with obdurate stubs but to sleep and sleep they do the sound deep restful sleep of healthy young manhood inhaling pure mountain air on the healthiest bed yet known to man when it is past midnight and the fire burns low and the chill night breeze drifts into camp they still do not rouse up but only spoon closer and sleep right on only the o w turns out sleepily at two bells in the middle watch after the manner of hunters trappers and sailors the world over he quietly rebuilds the fire reduces a bit of navy plug to its lowest denomination and takes a solitary smoke still holding down his favorite log quizzically and quietly he regards the sleeping youngsters and wonders if among them all there is one who will do as he has done i e relinquish all that the world reckons as success for the love of nature and a free forest life he hopes not and yet as he glances at the calm yellow moon overhead and listens to the low murmur of the little waterfall below the spring he has a faint notion that it is not all loss and dross knocking the ashes from his pipe he prepares to turn in murmuring to himself half sadly half humorously i have been young and now i am old yet i have never seen the true woodsman forsaken or his seed begging bread or anything else so to speak unless it might be a little tobacco or a nip of whiskey and he creeps into his blanket bag back softly out to the outside man and joins the snorers it is broad daylight when he again turns out leaving the rest still sleeping soundly he starts a lively fire in the range treats two coffee pots to a double handful of coffee and three pints of water each sets on the potato kettle washes the potatoes then sticks his head into camp and rouses the party with a regular second mate's hail star bolins ahoy turn out you beggars come on deck and see it rain and the boys do turn out not with wakeful alacrity but in a dazed dreamy sleepy way they open wide eyes when they see the sun is turning the somber tops of pines and hemlocks to a soft orange yellow i'd have sworn says one that i hadn't slept over fifteen minutes by the watch and i said as another was just watching the fire when i dropped off in a doze in about five minutes i opened my eyes and i'll be shot if it wasn't sunrise as for me says the third i don't know as i've slept at all i remember seeing somebody poking the fire last night next thing i knew some lunatic was yelling around camp about star bowlins and turning out guess i'll lay down and have my nap out yes said the o w i would if i was a healthy youngster and couldn't get along with seven hours and a half of solid sleep i'd take the next forenoon for it just at present i want to remark that i've got the coffee and potato business under way and i'll attend to them if you want anything else for breakfast you'll have to cook it and the boys rising to the occasion go about the breakfast with willing hands it is noticeable however that only one pan of trout is cooked two of the youngsters preferring to fall back on broiled ham remarking that brook trout is too rich and cloying for a steady diet which is true 
the appetite for trout has very sensibly subsided and the boyish eagerness for trout fishing has fallen off immensely only two of the party show any interest in the riffles they stroll downstream leisurely to try their flies for an hour or two the others elect to amuse themselves about camp cutting small timber with their little hatchets picking fresh browse or skirmishing the mountainside for wintergreen berries and sassafras the fishermen return in a couple of hours with a score of fair-sized trout they remark apologetically that it is blazing hot and there are plenty of trout ahead then they lean their rods against the shanty and lounge on the blankets and smoke and doze it is less than forty-eight hours since the cross pole was laid and using a little common sense woodcraft camp has already attained to a systematic no system of rest freedom and idleness every man is free to loaf and invite his soul there is good trouting within an hour's walk for those who choose and there is some interest with a little exercise in cooking and cutting nightwood slicking up etc but the whole party is stricken with camp fever indian laziness the dolce far niente it is over and around every man enveloping him as with a roseate blanket from the castle of indolence it is a perfect summer camp and it is no myth but a literal resume of a five days outing at poplar spring on marsh creek in pennsylvania alas for the beautiful valley that once afforded the finest camping grounds i have ever known never any more can it be unto me or anybody else as before a huge tannery six miles above poplar spring poisons and blackens the stream with chemicals bark and ooze the land has been brought into market and every acre eagerly bought up by actual settlers the once fine covers and thickets are converted into fields thickly dotted with blackened stumps and to crown the desolation heavily laden trains of the pine creek and jersey shore railroad go thundering almost hourly over the very spot where stood our camp by poplar spring of course this is progress but whether backward or forward had better be decided sixty years hence and just what has happened to obscure the valley of marsh creek is happening today on a larger scale all over the land it is the same old story of grab and greed let us go on the make today and whack up tomorrow cheating each other as villainously as we may and posterity be damned what's all the world to a man when his wife is a witty this is the moral from maine to montana from the adirondacks to alaska from the yosemite to the yellowstone the trout hog the deer wolf the netter the skin hunter each and all have it their own way and the law is a farce only to be enforced where the game has vanished forever perhaps the man-child is born who will live to write the moral of all this when it is too late end of chapter six